The internet is an ocean that we invent as we explore it. In the murky darkness of virtual places, there could be dragons, shagoths, leviathans. Certainly I have heard voices on the web who say we will discover or build a god when we reach the cyber ocean floor. People claim to remember past lives, I claim to remember a different, very different present life. The psychotic drones, where the mystic swims, they're drowning. Hello and welcome back to the Astral Flight Simulation Podcast, where we navigate the digital world through art and culture. And today I'm joined from the ether by a legend, an absolute legend. I call him one of the best Twitter posters, but he's really a poster's poster. Um, He's one of those guys like Hakan, where if a normie stumbles upon his page, he might not even know what the fuck he's reading. Uh, But but for those who know and those who are in the know, uh, he's one of the best tweet composers and thread composers but of course of course the powers that be had to strike him down but he's in the midst of returning more powerful than ever i am of course talking about helios formerly known as helios logos helios welcome to the astral flight simulation podcast thanks astral you're too kind i i don't know if i deserve all that praise well I don't know if you know this, but while you were gone, I didn't even, I wasn't even really heavily associated with your old account. We didn't know each other really, but uh, people were contacting me, asking me about a particular thread you wrote about demons and technology because they wanted to either have you on a podcast or uh, one guy was going on a podcast to talk about stuff like this and he wanted to reference that thread. but you were banned at the time. So I couldn't find it and I couldn't get in touch with you. So I was like, as soon as you came back, I was like, okay, I think I reached out to you pretty early on. I told you I wanted to have you on and talk about that thread. I mean, we all want to talk about everything, but uh, that thread in particular, though, I was telling you before the show, I'm, I'm working on a lot of stuff for this podcast and developing a lot of ideas. And I have a lot of rough drafts uh, on my computer that I hope to turn into shows one day. And one of them is about, uh, demonology of the internet and when I read your thread I was like okay this guy's like way ahead of me on this I gotta get get this guy on the show but uh, but before that like you know you got banned I don't remember how long ago but I do remember it was during one of the big band waves and you're just back now uh, when when basically when did that go down and you also used to have either a YouTube show or a podcast I'm not quite sure but I've I've listened to you on YouTube as Helios logos before yeah, um, on YouTube, I did like podcasts or it was actually usually live stream. I would live stream like a, a conversation podcast style. Basically, I was doing what Twitter spaces allow us to do now. I was trying to like my, my whole goal was to get people from Twitter in a in a you know in a room a digital room and we would talk about stuff and have a good time originally it back in like 2018 2017 2018 was when i first started doing that um and i was doing it with a guy named storm king and that's someone who has 
long since left the platform and doesn't use Twitter anymore. And me and him, we would bring on people. We had Nick Fuentes on. We had Borzoi, a bunch of like other right-wing Twitter guys. Just sort of, we'd talk about random stuff, and and that was like my first foray into it. And then later on, because I, I stopped doing that, uh, I started a, a new show called Sunblind. And then I did several episodes of that. Um, but then Twitter Spaces came out and I kind of felt like it was almost superfluous because it was so easy just to talk to people within the app. I know some people have made that into like recorded it and made that like a, their own podcast style stuff, but yeah, me, me I think doing that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Me doing that using Twitter spaces is what made me start a podcast. Cause I used to do it a lot with uh, aspiring Vitruvian, which I don't know if you know him, but you were on one of my spaces with him talking to us and uh, he's on the show a lot and me and him were doing it. And I was like, dude, let's just do a, a real podcast. So it's a good, it's a good gateway. Yeah. I, um, spaces were my favorite thing when they first hit. And for me, the most annoying aspect of doing the podcast was like the technical aspect of it, because I would get on my computer. I would start OBS half the time. OBS wouldn't even launch. And then sometimes I would have like the guys in either the discord or the Google voice or whatever we were using as like the, um, the room where we were all talking and then like, it wouldn't pipe the audio to OBS. And it just became a point of frustration for me to the, like, to where I didn't even want to, to try and sit down and like do it because it was so bugged. And I don't know why it was acting up. Like there was no clear reason, but it was just very frustrating almost felt like there were you know little demons in the computer fucking with me well that was a, that's um, what i was about to say there are sometimes yeah. forces <laughs> that conspire against you to uh, and it's not and what that means is it's not the right time yeah but uh when you have like scheduled a thing for two weeks and then when you finally get in and it takes you an hour and a half to get the stream up and functioning right just want to bash your head through a wall instead of actually having to deal with it. So I ended up like, I don't, I decided that if I was going to do it, I couldn't do it live anymore, which was like the whole thing that I liked. I liked doing it live off the cuff, no editing, no like worrying, just like, you know, having a live conversation. And that was, I enjoyed that, but now spaces are that. And so that kind of replaces the, um, I actually, one time I tried to live stream a space, and halfway through the space, like Twitter just, I had like the the uh, the browser open for my, you know, YouTube streaming and Twitter just deloaded the page that was like, had the space on it. So it was just like 45 minutes of people listening to nothing because I was like actually talking in the space on my phone. Well, I didn't know all that happened. So I'm glad. I'm even more pleased to have the opportunity to showcase you today because uh, it's sort of um, 
maybe bringing you, maybe some people are, well, well, I was going to say, maybe some people are wondering like where you've been and what you've been up to, but actually you're pretty active on discord still though, aren't you? Uh, sort of, sort of, I, I have a, uh, I had a discord channel for like a personal discord channel for like everybody, but I actually like made a conscious choice after I was suspended like a month or so after that I was never coming back. Um, so I deleted the discord channel. I deleted like uh, everything. I, I just like purged it all. I was like, I'm done with Twitter. I'm done with this stupid hell site. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm over it. It's gay. Just get rid of, get clear it out. <laughs> We're going to clear them out. We're going to clear them out as well. There's going to be a new start. Clear them out. And um, yeah, so I deleted everything basically. And I, for uh, people probably thought I was banned, but I just was inactive. I had a new account and it was, it was up, but it was, you know, there was no, it was, if you interacted with it there, you would have gotten nothing. It was private. It was all locked down very tight. I, I didn't have, you know, like I had been, I had come back, but I had just remained private. What's the on a private account? What's the time frame we're looking at here right now? It's uh, the beginning of May, 2020. When so did I you? Was suspended yeah. In September of 2021. Okay. That was Helios, the Helios Logos account, which I actually, my original account, which is still online right now. Helios Nuos. I swapped the at Helios Logos from that account to this new account because the original Helios Logos was like shadow banned to hell. And so I just was like, okay, I'm going to start over with a new account. And I got that one to like 12K before getting suspended, which was, you know, unfortunate. And I lost that at forever. Um, or at least, yeah, forever. I, my faith in Elon Musk giving me that account back is extremely low. Yeah, I don't think that people's accounts are going to suddenly get turned back on, but you never know. <laughs> we can always hope, right? I, uh, I don't really want to ask what you got suspended for, but if you could, I try to avoid gamer words. If you could tell us without. I, uh, I you know, got suspended for, I posted a tweet. And it was a very controversial tweet, but not in the way that you would expect. My tweet basically said that, and actually, you know what? I could probably find it if I just look up my name on Google because people, it went extremely viral. Oh, it did? Um, you know, oh, what? Yes. I, I was suspended in like... Name. Sorry to talk over you. I was suspended in like May of last year. So I, I didn't come back till October. So I wasn't even on mm -hmm. Twitter when it happened. So you missed. Yeah, everything. I missed the whole thing. I didn't know it was for a viral tweet. Sorry, go on though. Yeah, let me let me see if I can find it. I'm just looking my name up on, on Google. And yeah, here we go. It's like the second result. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. So let me uh, let me tell you this tweet right here. I was just reply, I quote tweeting this, this person. I did not expect it. I think it went like overnight. And then the next day it was just, you know, the, I think that the tweet um, impression wise, that singular tweet got 
20 million impressions. Like oh, it was wow. some retardedly large number. And I, so I got like a massive amount of eyes on my account. People that were really mad at me, people that wanted me to do, to just, you know, like, like the hate mob wanted to just deplatform me. So that's what they reported. They mass reported. Yeah, me. you got that's mass got reported. Me. That's what it sounds like. So my tweet was the tweet that ruined everything, right? I said, there's a reason children hate vegetables. They aren't meant for human consumption. Children instinctively know this. Maybe we should listen to them. That's the tweet. You're kidding me. I'm not. Oh and it got God. it got quote tweeted by fucking huge Twitter users, blue checks, people that were like fucking famous, like celebrities. And it just went <laughs> like this exploded. Is, this is like the level bomb. of absurdity we're dealing with in the yeah. in the market I was, I was in the marketplace like of just, ideas. I was just kind of memeing on them. Like I I agree with the idea, but everybody tried to frame me as like a like a six year old that didn't want to eat his broccoli. Like that was the meme. Like I, I let this child on the internet. <laughs> that is the most ridiculous suspension I've ever heard of. Well, so I mean that's like that's the cause right that tweet getting me massive amounts of oh but they saw other tweets that they reported right so what they did is they found all these tweets where i was quote tweeting just like my friends random people there was a gif on twitter's gif keyboard of schindler's list where the nazi guys pointing the gun and they mass reported those tweets unbelievable and that's what this is the we got me suspended this is the attack of the soy culture man this is yeah th exactly. they sent their soy minions after you because and i remember like what i was saying i was like these are all fucking vegetable enjoyers like these are cringe people they're these are not good people like i'm over here i had sort of been talking for a couple of months about like you know healthy eating and well, i remember how yeah. vegetables are not the healthiest form of food and everybody's convinced that vegetables, like eating healthy, health equals vegetable. If you're not eating vegetables, then you're eating like shit. And I don't like that. That idea to me was like so insane. I was like, are you kidding me? Like vegetables aren't necessarily healthy. They're just, they're just not like, you know, Cheetos. And so the, the scale of like health food doesn't go like there's like Cheetos, Captain Crunch, diet coke on one end of the spectrum and then on the other end is zucchini cucumbers and tomatoes and it, it, it's not it's not how it works right they are there's there's you know a diet a balanced diet does does not involve only eating vegetables like veganism you know veganism is is retarded and so i was like i was just going all in on vegans like i was just like destroying these people like it's posting pictures of like vegan um like <laughs> vegan health experts and they look like skeletons. Oh, 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 that have, like, oh I thought you, meat well, you've seen the obese bones. vegans though, right? Yeah. The morbidly obese. Because, well, because like uh, veganism really doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean healthy. That's for sure. It just means that you don't eat meat. So, so veganism isn't always even like, presented as a health 
fad. It's more of like a, a moral fad. Right, exactly. And that's why it's cringe. Like, well, I don't eat animals because I saw, I, you know, I saw a, a bumper sticker the other day and it was if humans, why, why can't we eat humans even though they're made of food or something like that? Yeah. Like basically it's a vegan, but I, I, I was like the Chad, the giga Chad, uh, unironically. Yes. You know, smiling i support cannibalism <laughs> in the uh, in the apocalypse my family will eat your family uh i will happily do so you know like these these people they're retarded their arguments are, are stupid like i know that that is a bumper sticker that was made in reaction to why shouldn't we eat animals you know they're made of food and so the, these people are like, well, humans are technically made of meat too. Yeah. Mm. They think mm. it's a gotcha. Yeah, they think it's a gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's literally a, a caddy gotcha fucking, oh, you owned. Oh, so owned. I'm so owned now. What will I do? Oh, you didn't realize you were talking to a, a, a pro cannibalism person. Oh, it's over for you. I'm going to eat you now. Yeah. My name is Jeffrey Dahmer. Hi. How are you? The, um, it's, it's their way of taking the moral high ground. Dude, I remember... I had these two friends that didn't know each other at all. And uh, they both ended up becoming junkies and they somehow connected after I lost touch with both of them. And I saw them together and I was talking to them and uh, one of them, and they were both in recovery at the time, but they were like totally strung out street people together. And one of them was clowning the other one because he was a vegan. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Hey, I'm really glad to see you guys got clean and everything. And the one guy's like, yeah, you know, this motherfucker would be in the alley with me after like shooting up, with, like sharing needles with strangers for like three days. And the motherfucker would still like ask if shit was vegan, if somebody got food for us. And like, we were just fucking totally went in on this kid. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, dude, if you weren't a junkie, like people would have thought you were anyway, because you're a fucking vegan. Ugh. I can't imagine a more hellish existence than that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, the, the being strung, being strung out, hell. being strung out for the other guy was actually not as bad as being vegan for his friend. Well, that 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 existence is just that's that's terrible. I would. Yeah, but no, everybody's would, familiar with the uh, with the trope of the fat vegan who doesn't eat meat or cheese, but eats like you know, vegan cupcakes and shit like that. The whole thing, the, the, the whole problem with liberalism, pretty much every position they take is like the government offloading its fucking stupid, poor decision-making onto them. So like veganism is just like a way for government subsidized soy and corn products to be like dumped onto the masses with this bullshit ideology. That's exactly how war is sold to them as well. Like they make all these fucking they steal our money to make all these fucking weapons of war. And then uh, they, they sell it to the people as like this uh, human rights thing. Like, oh, we have to ship all this weapons to Saudi Arabia and uh, Ukraine uh, because uh, of gay rights. When really it's just this like money laundering process, really. But yeah, and the, and the people get sort of carried away in their 
<laughs> virtue signaling and and everything to uh to show their support of of the government yeah that's they don't exactly really unaware of the the true reasons why these things are happening exactly well but it's also feeding uh the overlords the demons and the god of moloch it's it's exactly what they want they want these these retards to just sort of go along with with whatever they do and it's it's very useful for for them to have people like this that are unquestioning and and uh, will jump at the opportunity to to shit some down somebody's throat uh, when they question the positions of the regime. They just they're just so they're so ready. They just want to so bad. They're like, oh, let me at him. You know, I want to I want to tell him how he's wrong. I want to prove to him that I'm smarter. I I really can't wait. Let me go. Like they're they're fucking starved dogs on a leash just waiting to, to, you know, cancel the next person for X, Y reason. Um, well, I feel like this is a natural segue into the topic at hand, but before we get there, I wanted to do this earlier. Can you tell everybody what your new ad is? And I'll try to put it in the show notes as well. And also if you want yeah, sure. to link to your discord, do that. But if you're still just lurking there, just do your Twitter, your new ad. Uh, for now. The at is infinite incline. Infinite incline. And the username, um, I think, is still Helios. I had it pulled it's, up. It's Helios, but it's like I used uni, Unicode letters to throw off the bots. I can't. Yeah, infinite incline. My picture is a picture of Sisyphus. Oh, is that He's pushing a boulder up, up a hill? And, and Tartarus, he is eternally pushing a boulder up a hill. The hill never ends. Okay, know, yeah. It's, it it's is. an infinite incline. <clears throat> yeah, I was just... Which is uh, how it feels using Twitter.com. Yesterday, I, I, I just tweeted that... Uh, I deleted it, though, because it didn't get any engagement. But I tweeted that women who forego having children so they can fuck their lives away are condemned to push the, their eggs up a mountain for eternity and only to have them roll back to the bottom and they have to push it back up, push them back up. It's like the female version of Sisyphus. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, you were like, I saw in the group chat, you were sort of shopping around like a bunch of those sort of ideas. Yeah, like, I tried to of... make a whole new Greek mythology, like warning uh, <laughs> against like the modern woman, but it didn't get any any engagement so i deleted it but maybe i'll rework it but um speaking of twitter threads uh i don't want to be um because your thread isn't available anymore and when it was available it was pretty popular it's it's one of my favorites ever Um, i was asking you if you'd be uh, willing to read it uh, just verbatim and you said you would and i'd like to maybe do that now and uh, we can talk about some of the ideas in there it's all somewhat related too because if the technology that's ruling our society right now does have demonic forces behind it, then the ways in which it entices the masses to act is, of course, going to feed them. Um, if we fall into the trap, we're going to be making them more powerful. And, uh, you know, memes online could be like different cults to different gods or different, different demons. Um, so the veganism meme could be ruled by one entity 
while the pro-Ukraine meme could be ruled by another. Um, so yeah, let's, said you'd be let's willing talk to about it, it and then I'll read it for it for everybody. I think that I think there's a lot to like unpack here. And it's was my most popular thread. I have reposted it on two. So I had it on like one account and then I reposted it onto another account. And both times it got quite a bit of uh, interaction, multiple like, I think one dude wrote like an entire article, um, a retort to that thread. Like he, he, it was like a, some Catholic guy. And he like broke it down and, and debunked it basically. He was like, oh. this is why you're wrong. Um, but he went into a lot of, and there were like 30 fucking comments on his website about it. And I remember at like the peak of my Twitter where I had the most amount of followers and the most amount of engagement. And like I had like this sweet spot before I got like basically deplatformed. A lot of people, like my ideas, I had seen them sort of spread. And that, that was, to me, the most enjoyable part about it. Like I was, I liked seeing people discussing this stuff and, and apparently talking about it in real life to other people, just like discussing these ideas. Because I had like, not, not only the, the demonology thread, but I had like a whole sort of, I don't know, uh, alternate cosmology going on. Like I, the demons in tech thread was like the capstone on this sort of overarching theory that I had created for, you know, my thoughts on the nature of civilization, the prehistory that led up to it and like the cycle that we're currently in and all that stuff. And it, and it all sort of just like culminated in that thread. I don't know if, if that was the only thread of mine that you had seen before, but there was like on the, on the Helios Nuos account, which unfortunately I can't really get into right now. Like it's, it's locked away behind two factor authentication and I don't have the, the fucking Wait, I don't have a way to get get in there. Like it's a two-factor authentication on a phone that I don't have or I've misplaced. But um that's where most of this took place was on that on that account. Uh yeah, I didn't know you then. I actually don't remember if I knew who you were before this. Uh we have a mutual friend, Zante, who's uh mm -hmm. who does the music for the show. He sent me your thread. And he was like, dude, you're going to fucking love this. And I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, it was my introduction to your account. I, I can see that's most people's introduction to my account. Oh, I want I... to see real quick, though, the guy who this is interesting to me that it was a Catholic who went after you because and I wonder I want to know on what grounds he criticized you, because the guy who contacted me and said he was going on a podcast and wanted to use that thread as like a talking point is is a cat is like a diehard Catholic and. uh he was all for it. So I'm interested to hear the Catholic critique. Yeah. I wonder if I could find, but was, was he basically saying like, that's not how demons work or was he just saying this is all total bullshit? 
you know, I gotta be honest, I can't really remember. <laughs> All right. Well, look, if you if you uh, find it, we'll we'll loop back. Just 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 jump jump in with it. But uh, I wanted to say though that like one of the things about coming to Twitter, a non Twitter for me, that is like such a big deal. Like I can't even believe it's just so fucking crazy. Like, cause I was basically like a normie and like using the internet in like normie ways. And, um, I had like certain threads of interest that I had. And one of them, like when I was like in my teens and early twenties, I was used, I was like really into, um, reading about magic and black magic and like doing rituals and shit and using tarot cards. But then when I got older, I was like, eh, that's all kind of bullshit. And I like threw it all away and like moved on. But then as time went by, I started to realize that like, if nothing else, that is a good metaphorical way of understanding like the motivations, like the, the forces that motivate people. And even, even as time has gone by lately, I've started to think it's actually a lot of it is more literally true than the average person would probably be able to even accept. And the the thing about coming to Twitter is like, I was doing all that like kind of in a vacuum with nobody to like bounce ideas off of or communicate about it. And then I come and find people like you who like, okay, so this guy is like on the same path as me. He's clearly must have read some of the same stuff and like drawn some of the same conclusions. So it like, and that's happened to me several times with several different people on Twitter where it's like, you realize that like you did hit on something you did, you did, you did have like a, 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 a realization uh, about something that's like a deeper truth that other people understand, you know? And I, I honestly think like the, the anonymous thing, like a lot of people have been talking shit lately on Twitter about how people are only anonymous because they want to like hide behind, you know, the anonymity so they can like talk shit, but that's not really what it is. This is like an avatar that like kind of embodies like a message and like a, a, a force that you're trying to, to evoke like a, a, what's the word, like an archetype that you're trying to evoke and you're trying to like manifest something in the world. So I think like anonymous Twitter has like a, a certain type of power that the average person would probably refuse to admit. And reading your thread and like finding your whole account was one of the things that made me be like, okay, like I'm not totally fucking insane, even though the rest of the world has been telling me I was for like so long. Like this shit is real and it's out there. And there's like, I, I think, do you agree with this? I have no idea like what your normie life is like, but mine definitely would, would, would not in any way belie to me this like burgeoning esoteric re re revival. I was going to say revitalization, but it's kind of both like a revival and a revitalization of a lot of like ancient wisdom and even not so ancient wisdom, like a lot of the work that was going on in the early 20th century. It seems like people are starting to like hit back on that and realize that like there's a lot more to it. And people are taking ancient myth a lot more seriously and applying it to the state of affairs that we find ourselves in the world today, which is something that like, you know, Crowley and the, and the theosophists and and even more mainstream people like uh, the guy who wrote the Golden Bow and Bullfinch's mythology and stuff like that, like Joseph Campbell was probably like the last one of that crew. He's like the kind of tail end of it. Um, I do think that there is a mainstream resurgence towards this type of stuff. It's still kind of small 
but it's definitely growing. Um, I, I don't have like a personal circle that is interested in this yet anyway. Ideally, I think that it would be very good to have like people close to you that that were able to have like discussions like this, but it, it's still a little difficult to uh, to facilitate that. And I think that um, if you were to sort of discuss these ideas with most people, specifically this like my what could very easily be called schizoid theory about you know demons and technology. Uh, I think that most people would still be a little bit put off by that, even though I think the evidence that that I have found for it um, is pretty compelling. And let's just talk about that, like as a segue, like we're gonna build our way up. I'll read the thread, but I think I want to talk about like how I came to this realization. Yeah, good. This idea. I actually fomentation of this idea. I didn't know how much you wanted to reveal, so I actually wasn't going to ask. So I'm glad you're offering it. Well, it's very interesting to me. I think it all started with I was doing like threads on on demons. That was like sort of my original topic. I did a thread on demons and specifically like it was a small thread. It wasn't, it wasn't nearly like the other uh, demon tech thread, but I was talking about the etymology of the name Tubalcane and the meaning that that has basically in the book of Genesis, there's a guy called Tubal Cain. And I think this is after Noah, but I'm not 100% sure. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's after, but it might have been before. Um, but Tubal Cain is taught metalworking. And his brother, Jubal Cain, is taught music. And they're taught this by angels. It just says it in the Bible. Like an angel just came down and was like, metalworking, music. Like a download into their brains. And um, I always thought that was kind of interesting. So I was writing about it. And I was describing it, you know. And I looked into the name of like Tubal Cain and what it means. And Tubal Cain, the definition that I came up with anyway, was that his name means carried by a greater force. It's like literally like picked up, grabbed, and just drug like through the dirt um, from point A to point B. And I was using that to sort of like compare and contrast to the way in the past there is like 
these jumps between ages. You know, you have like the Stone Age, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age. And between each age, there seems to be an almost inexplicable jump to the new technology. Um, and they're not really sure how that happens, whether it's discoveries that aren't very easy to show. Like if somebody's, you know, most, they have like a bunch of all this like archeological evidence, but if somebody was experimenting with, you know, the ratios for copper and tin to make bronze, they can't find, you know, exactly how they figured it out, which is, which is fine. But for me, the thing that I was seeing was that it was just very interesting. There's a, there's this, this sort of theme of like, not only trial and error, but almost like divine inspiration that seems to carry humanity towards a goal where they're just like constantly moving forward in this sort of linear progression. Um, the culmination of those ideas being discussed in this demonology and, and technology thread which is I feel like why it's so impactful because I had, I had been thinking about this for a long time. I had been like mulling it over just sort of, you know, like these ideas, you know, what does it mean? Right. And I had sort of identified that the, um, the, I, I identified what I saw to be like the goal of these creatures that they have something that they are trying to accomplish and they are using humanity as tools to that end, feeding them these little tidbits, so to speak. It, like a like a little trail, you know, kind of like Hansel and Gretel leave a path behind them in the woods. Um, and we're following that. And each new revolution of, of technology brings us closer and closer and closer to this, you know, conclusion that they desire. Have you ever And heard it, it reads very much to me like cosmic horror this idea that we aren't as in control of of this uh as we think we are that maybe there's something sinister about what we're doing that there could be some implication that we were unaware of that we have sort of opened ourselves up to and it might already be too late uh have you ever encountered the theory that the grays or some other life form from outer space came down and tinkered with our brains and kind of helped put put the 
what's the word I'm looking for here? They, they, well, they tinkered with our brains so that we could use tools in such a way that we mine gold and precious metal for them, that they, that Fork Knox is empty and that, uh, the, the human obsession with gold was, was it artificially implanted there by beings who use it to power their intergalactic spaceships and fuel them for a, a intergalactic war and that we are just uh, kind of the, the worker ants for that higher cause. And uh, that, that sounds similar to uh, some things that I've heard about the Anunnaki as well. Exactly. Actually, I would exactly. say that I don't agree with that. I don't think, I, I think that that's a little bit like that for me, that there, there's like a, a line. And I, I don't think that that's actually what it is. Um, I think that it's actually a little bit less invasive than that. It doesn't require modifying our brains like in some way like that. This, this is purely a manipulation of human desires that they're able to do very easily, very easily without uh, any actual physical interference. And I don't think that the gold, you know, humans obsession with gold, it's, it's not a trick to get us to power some intergalactic spaceship. Gold is, is a useful metal and it's very, very good for conducting electricity. I know that's what um, I was going to bring up. Conducting electricity I is the same thing as channeling and conducting uh, <clears throat> potencies and entities and messages from beyond the veil, as you say. So electricity is actually really an interesting um, thing. I, I, I always wanted to write a thread. There's so many threads that I wanted to write. Well, let's talk about it now because it's central to my perspective, electricity and, and, and what it has to do with computers and the way technology works. And the fact that gold can, is like one of the best conductors of it um, is not insignificant either. And by the way, just as a side note, the Anunnaki thing is fun for me, but <laughs> I've come to the conclusion that all the UFOs work that has been done is basically all bullshit, in my opinion. That's for another conversation. But I was ha I was happy to bring it up, though, because it's like kind of metaphorically in the exact same camp as what you're talking about. But but I think what we're saying now is much more closer to the reality than the UFO thing. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I think the UFO thing is sort of like a it's a midwit trap. It, it kind yeah. of like it takes people halfway there. I agree. Sort of like stuck in like this autistic uh, speculation about aliens. And I think that that's actually a little bit more of a distraction from the main the main point you know like that's it's you know aliens lol there's even there's hey, even been work um there's even a book but, out uh, there. electricity electricity yeah, go on go on sorry it's such a powerful thing and uh we have relegated it to a position as almost like a slave um it's in your house it's in your walls you can access it at any time and i don't think that people really understand that implication 
Like, what does it mean that you have caged lightning basically in a bottle ready to be accessed at any time? That is quite an achievement, if you ask me. You've, you've basically tamed this primordial force and bent it to do your bidding. Um, I think that that's something that's very, like it, it almost sort of shows like this mastery over, over nature, over the world that, you know, we've, we've reached out and we've even taken the lightning down from the heavens and, and made it to do our bidding. But at the same time, um, maybe the lightning tricked us and it jumped in the bottle and it was like, I'll come with you. I'll be your servant. You know, I'll do what you want me to do. But actually, I'm the one that's in control in this situation. You think I'm your, you know, little pet. But in reality, I'm pulling the strings from behind the scenes. It's like, it's like a trick. And that's what I think that the majority of this is, is a trick. It's a trick. That's how demons operate. They operate through tricks and sort of little like string pulling to convince people to do the wrong thing. It's the devil on your shoulder, right? No, 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 you should do it. No, you should do it. Yeah, yeah, no, do it. It's okay. And they're like, <laughs> you know, pulling the little, the little thread to, to get you, to lead you leading you astray. Um, the point that I touch on in the thread is something that's like hard for, I think, a lot of people to totally get behind, maybe. Um, when I describe this body the body of of the demiurge basically this uh shell that's been made for a spiritual force or a digital force you know to inhabit to fill it's like a an empty network just waiting to be populated with this this entity it's like it's all set up for him to you know just wake up inside this body and and the body would facilitate every need that he could possibly have you know eyes ears a mouthpiece a plethora of appendages, you know, limbs that cover the entire world. Uh, and this network has been like rolled out and laid down over the past couple of decades. And people think that they're more in control. They think that they have cameras, they have security systems, they have, you know, all sorts of connection power they, they have wi-fi phone lines fiber optic cables running underneath the the fucking ocean floor 
connecting continents together. They've created this world grid where everything is linked. And it almost resembles what an esotericist from like the 18th century would imagine in his worst nightmares, this monadic entity that spans the entire world that is connected to everything. You showed this to someone, some, if you appeared in like some flash of blue flame to an alchemist hunched over his, you know, scripts and you just were like and displayed this thing to him and he understood he would be filled with terror and he would be like oh my god it's my worst nightmare come true you know this is truly like the work of the devil the intro to my show has a quote that zero HP Lovecraft himself reads from his story, the gig economy, where he says, when we reach the cyber ocean floor, we will discover or build a God. And that's one of the questions I had for you. Are we, uh, are we building a new God, like a simulacra or a golem? Are we exteriorizing our consciousness in such a way that we will have built this golem that will turn back on its creator and uh you know in an edible way kill and get out from underneath its father its father being the human race calling to mind like the uh replicants in blade runner or cyber uh what are they called uh, skynet in the terminator or are we resurrecting an ancient long dormant force that uh in a lovecraftian sense maybe exists far out in the reaches of space in some sort of nebulous uh, uh, ethereal mass or uncoalesced, unformed, maybe never having taken shape yet. And it exists only as an affect or a power out there that we are giving, as you called it, you said we're building this body for it to sort of uh, in spirit and then kind of rule humanity and use this as its tools. Is it in fact causing us as you suggested earlier, is it in fact somehow inspiring us to do this work as its slaves to give it the form for it to manifest itself in? And it certainly sounds like a Cthulhu-like or mind flayer-like creature, the way you describe the, uh, the networks of fiber optic cables, etc., going all over the globe. I think that it it is a primordial force, but this has existed since the beginning. This is what some would conceive of as Satan, that this is the primordial darkness, the unformed body of the devil or of the adversary or of the dark version of reality where when God created his first creation, it was a man as big as the entire earth. And when he raised him up, the angels bowed down and worshiped him. And this caused God to destroy this man and he wiped him away. This was the first Adam. This Adam was killed. This Adam was 
torn apart and he was submerged in primordial darkness that is known at least in the Kabbalistic tradition as cliff off the shattered shells the forsaken worlds that God created before this world uh, basically the cast off pot sherds from the potter it's his his garbage pile and from this darkness is where evil originates demons you know angels that were stripped of their names they're formless they have no body they have no soul they're simply these rogue intelligence that float in the void and literally the only thing they can do is whisper in your ear and try to lead you astray that that's all they're capable of doing they they cannot manifest themselves in the physical plane they cannot really interface with reality in in any meaningful physical way they're only like a disembodied voice because they have been stripped of all physical form like when when they were cast down they were just cut off like imagine like you're snapping a chicken's neck and then that chicken can continue to run around but it's already dead that's what they're doing they're they're dead things from the abyss beyond this world and they want they want it so bad they want to get back in they're like their singular obsession not only do they hate you because you have a body and a soul but they want to destroy you for that exact same reason and to do so it's a double-edged sword and this is what i also talk about in the thread it's the demonic intent they give you these things and with this they lead you astray and it's a little it's a gradual it's like step by step and it's granular and you don't realize what's happening um one of the only ways for demons to have any physical presence is through possession so they they can't possess your body unless you let them and that's sort of the important <clears throat> important like concept of this is this is all stuff that we have participated in this is stuff that we have allowed to exist we have agreed to their terms we have made these things with our own hands and it this is why i pushed back on the idea that uh our brains were modified this actually can only occur <clears throat> if it's of our own free will we have to agree to participate in their game and that's how they get you it's through using your own free will against you tricking it's a trick again a trick that can only be accomplished if we cooperate
Yeah, I, I don't know if you're con uh, familiar with the concept of the hungry ghost. Uh, is that a term you're familiar yes. with? Yeah, the, the hungry ghost is basically like these beings can't come into the world and, uh, and, and partake in the carnal pleasures that feed the hungry them. ghost is a is it's a japanese buddhist yes uh thing yeah but for any listeners who aren't familiar with it the idea is that uh they're fed by the lower well i'm sort of actually incorporating my own thing some of it's western uh like theosophist or whatever but uh they're fed on an energetic level by uh the hosts that they that they that they feed off of and uh the the spiritual and emotional and mental state that that host is in creates like a higher or lower form of energy like joy or depression or whatever it is and that if you are in it's stuck in the throes of addiction to sex or drugs or alcohol or something gambling your energy vibration is lower uh, so the hungry ghosts feed off that like lower vibration or lower frequency. So they trick you or trap you into the vices that uh, are keeping you at that lower vibration. And, you know, they call alcoholism, you know, the demon. And it's like, when you try to get out, you get sucked back in by these dark forces because it's a negative feedback loop. And there's creatures on the other side, uh, who can't, um, I don't know what the word is for like, they can't coalesce into like a material body in order to actually access these things that feed their energy. So they have to have you as a vessel to do it. And in terms of like brain tweaking, I also think techn technological production and technological progress is itself a negative feedback loop. The more we use certain technology, the more our brain develops in such a way to, to develop further technology uh and it's almost like that is also feeding because the more you use that stuff the more it uh manifests this sort of negative or or lower energy so when you get to something like the internet the internet is like the biggest propagant of pornography uh as well as it has been used to sell drugs on a level never before seen and it's almost like it's there playground it's like these lower entities playground or the playground of the hungry ghosts where there's more people trapped in this mode of being than than ever before it's like a feeding frenzy for all these demonic entities yeah exactly so the digital frontier is like the perfect vehicle for this, which is why I sort of incorporated digital electronic stuff as, as a part of uh, this theory. Because I don't know if you ever saw that that one trollage meme, but it was like, we are bound by the sacred oath, cannot speak, find ways to speak without speaking, 
and then it's just like the troll face solomon and the lesser key of solomon and this was another thing i touched on in, in one of my original demon threads if you'll actually hold on one second i gotta get, go deal with something yeah let's take a break actually i was gonna i was gonna say that anyway so it'll be part two coming up in a moment All technology comes from demonic superintelligences taught to humans to facilitate our destruction. This knowledge is relayed in many ways, but the main one is through dreams. Trances are also common. In these states, the mind opens up to the other side and information is passed along. There are more instances of this than you'd believe. Number one in recent events is that Google was created based on a dream that Larry Page had in 1996. Did you know that the periodic table came from a dream? After three days in a trance-like state, Mendeleev collapses and has a dream where the structure of the table just appears to him. The model of DNA that everyone uses today came from a dream of two serpents intertwined. The list goes on and on. Many groundbreaking scientific discoveries in atomic structure and theories were precipitated by similar transcendent visions. There is a long-standing myth that humans in search of great knowledge turn to wise entities for guidance or wisdom or even wealth. The classic deal with the devil of Western folklore. This goes back to the Garden of Eden, where the serpent promises Eve divine knowledge in exchange for her immortal soul. Of course, Eve didn't know her soul was on the table. This divine knowledge destroyed the perfect Garden of Eden, precipitating the fall of man. The Industrial Revolution had a similar effect on humanity as a whole. The power of technology has already destroyed the foundation of civilization completely. We have become atomized, transforming our world into a hellish realm. We destroy the planet and our own bodies. There is always two sides to the demonic pact. 
there is a quick and beneficial effect, i.e. becoming rich or beautiful, but there is a delayed and much more permanent cost. In the legends, it is the person's soul, but for us, consciousness on a whole has been sacrificed. This is what I call the demonic intent. Giving you some small measure of material power is easy for a demon, because in the end, he will get exactly what he wants. Each wave of technology takes a further toll from the human soul. This is the demonic intent, to weaken us on a civilizational level, to deracinate us and desensitize us to the utter darkness and depravity we subject ourselves to. I call this the technological cycle. Everything comes in gradual waves. All you have to do is passively accept it. The technological cycle is also the cycle of advancement and the progression from man to machine. As we surround ourselves with profane machines, they whittle away at our divinity, making us in turn as mechanical as they are. Technology strips us of autonomy if we let it. This is what makes it so sinister. It preys on all our biological and evolutionary weaknesses, perfectly designed to drain us of all humanity, of all divinity, until man becomes nothing more than a mindless slave. I'd blame technology alone for this if there wasn't so much evidence of outside inspiration driving it forwards. Even in ancient history, mankind makes inexplicable leaps between ages. From the Stone Age to the Bronze Age to the Iron Age, massive leaps in technological complexity. Even more now. What is the end goal? I do not think there is one singular endpoint. The system that is operating now took a long time to get going and it's only ramping up. Pushes to create artificial intelligence, create immortal mechanical bodies for ourselves. All of this is terraforming to corrupt the creation of the divine into something that does not resemble it at all, to swing the pendulum to the opposite extreme, to remove nature from the image completely and replace it with a mechanical landscape devoid of divine design, to transform this world into hell. When God created Adam, Lucifer was furious. Refusing to bow to something he saw as inferior to himself is the reason he was cast down from heaven. In this fall, he was stripped of his body entirely and cast formless into the void. Seeing mankind broken and fallen is Satan's greatest desire, and so he will grind away at us, tempting and testing until every last soul falls into the abyss with him. Technology is one of the most insidious of these devices. Like Satan, demons do not have physical form. They are angels stripped of their divine bodies. They have been transformed into these malevolent intelligences lost in the void, whispering in the ear of whoever will listen. The technological cycle is a way to accomplish two of their desires, to corrupt our bodies until they no longer resemble the divine creation and to build for them what they cannot create for themselves, digital and mechanical bodies they can use to rule this world. There is nothing artificial about artificial intelligence. This intelligence is something that has been lurking behind the veil since the beginning of time, trying to get through. AI is the vehicle for demons to enter our world, a digital shell 
for the ones locked in Clifoth. All the mechanical interfaces that we have been building around ourselves will become the bars of our prison. We will build the matrix with our own hands and be buried like corpses in the Great Wall of China. This network of data gathering, omniscient cameras, GPS tracking, simulated reality devices will all be put to use by the god of this new world, the outside intelligence that fills the AI shell. We have created our own demiurge and turned our beautiful world into hell. Of course, this is just one possible outcome. God forbid we succumb to the machine. All it takes for evil to win is for good men to do nothing. And that is the infamous uh, now lost thread being retrieved from the void here on the astral flight simulation. And it's actually very much in keeping with exactly my sort of mission statement, my astral flight simulation episode. I lay out the, my concept of the digital prison. And I say that we're constructing this digital prison around us, just as you say in that thread there, and that the digital prison is like unto the, uh, the false reality that the people in the matrix believe in. And uh, the metaverse, what do you think about the metaverse? I don't want to take us off on a tangent because there's far, there's a lot more content in that thread that I think we need to uh, develop and elaborate on further. But before we get there, what do you think of the metaverse? It looks like to me, I'm not convinced it's going to take off. Um, but it's corny. It's corny. It's super it's corny. Corny guy. It's it's not it's not gonna I mean but I agree they've already you. done something similar with those like VR chat rooms. I I think it's sort of a um it's an attempt to create something. These people they want to have a community, but they're also like extremely afraid of leaving their house. So it's sort of like a, a win-win for these introverts. They can, you know, interact with other people in a semi-social uh, way where it feels like they're doing something, but they actually aren't. I agree with you, and I, I don't think it's going to take off, and I say that in the episode, but it is an attempt at creating this like literal digital prison that if it works in the way they want it to work, they will have us in their, in their digital prison. Um, but it could be the first attempt. It could be the first iteration or maybe the second iteration, the second generation, because it was a big thing in the nineties, a, a lot of hype and nothing ever came of it. Um, but this could just be like a, a, another iteration that in another 20 or 50 years, the technology will be there to make it enticing for people to join into. But we don't even really need the metaverse, though, because we're already kind of there. This many-faced, multi-eyed god uh, already kind of exists. If nothing else, we've given uh, a window through which it can peer because I see the internet in a way sometimes as like a massive scrying device or a massive palantir in which we look into it and we can see stuff going on on the other side of the world, either with like a live stream or if you're like, you know, video conferencing with somebody, uh, it's like a scrying device. But everyone knows, Tolkien knows that uh, these devices, in order to use them, they open up 
I don't want to say portals, but they create like a rend in the in the fabric of reality that keeps things in their proper place and other things can sneak through. This is just like the way uh, our cells function, that if a cell opens up to allow particles in to use for nutrients, sometimes other unwanted things come in along with those particles and the cell has to neutralize and excrete them. Now, before I get accused of bringing up something unrelated, brain cells work in the same way. The, the uh, neuronal receptors are sensitized by neurotransmitters and they open up to allow perceptions to come through and thoughts to arise. And it's my belief that uh, some of these negative entities kind of piggyback in on the way, or if you open them up, if you open up your uh, receptors to negative imagery, like violence, pornography, things like that. These things can also be used. So here's the thing about like drug use and stuff, because a, a shaman or, or a, a paladin, right, can, can participate in some of this negative stuff and they can, they can expose themselves to it and allow their defenses to stay intact. Uh, but if you don't have that training, the, pro the, the big problem with like the internet is that esotericism is like not possible because these tools are just dumped on like children and the average citizen who's like unable to cope with this deluge of uh, negative things coming at them. And it's like, it's actually interesting that you bring up drug use. Yeah, I wanted to get because to that eventually. So let's do that now. Things, the specific things that I was talking about, there were, you know, dreams and trances as modes of communication for these entities. Dreams and trances both open your mind to a very specific wavelength, we can call it, a dimension, as I would refer to it in these threads. I had, I had such a monster catalog of, of this stuff. Um, unfortunately all locked away in a digital prison that I can't even get into. Um, but I had like broken it down into like cosmological stuff where I was, you know, describing uh, the different spiritual systems inside the body and the way that your spiritual body and your physical body interface and, and you know these different planes of existence and the way that it's all related um something that maybe i shouldn't have even been telling these people like i was i was just doing these knowledge dumps on on stuff um but the body the spiritual body it's attuned to that higher and lower reality. And so I think that while you're dreaming, you are more available to these dark entities. They can show you things in your dreams. And that's like one of the only times that they're able to contact you. And that's why I think that it's really interesting that Larry Page had a dream 1996 where he saw this sort of vast what i think he didn't even realize it was like he was seeing like a server room like 
like a massive server room in his dream, something that hadn't really ever existed before. He was seeing like a vision of the future. He was, he basically described it as these huge filing cabinets that had the data of everything stored in them and that you could open up one of these drawers and, you know, find the very specific thing that you were looking for and that they had saved all of the links, all of the data. And, and it's a very like, it's the progression from the analog, which would be having everything on paper to the digital where everything is, is like an electronic particle. And I think that is such a critical transmutation of information because once it's digital, it's no longer physical. It exists in the spirit world. And I think that the digital world is actually intertwined with the spiritual. And that's why it's such an interesting time in which we live right now because we're actively interfacing with, the, with some corner of the spirit world through our, our phones, which you said is like scrying, um, a scrying mirror or a scrying device is a black mirror. And your phone is a black mirror and your TV is a black mirror and your computer screen is a black mirror. When they're turned off, it's that blank black screen. So that's what they would use, you know, a polished piece of obsidian and they would look into the void and be able to see things from, you know, other worlds, other sides. You know, if you close your eyes and you, and you look into your mind, you see a black expanse of darkness. And, and then you, in, in the darkness, you can visualize things. So the black scrying mirror and the, and the darkness of, of the digital screen, it reflects and alludes to the same sort of this, this void, this darkness that you're inherently interfacing with. So these digital particles, I think, are actually can be manipulated and, and interacted with with these um, demonic intelligences. But towards the line of trances and stuff like that, there's actually two versions of the, uh, the thread that I wrote. Um, the one that we just read was the, is the original. And when I wrote it again and posted it again for the second time, I, I put a little bit more into it. And that one, unfortunately, is, was deleted with that account. Uh, and I can't remember exactly what I added, but I added like maybe a couple of extra tweets um, specifically about like people microdosing in Silicon Valley to come up with new ideas, like microdosing LSD or microdosing um, psilocybin or maybe even DMT to come up with these new ideas of, of technology. And I just find that to be a very interesting practice that they're tapping into what ostensibly is a gateway into the spirit world 
to come up with these ideas of what tech to make next. I mean, I feel like it's just a very like this to me, it seems almost painfully clear and obvious what's going on here that, that like this inspiration that they're receiving by using these substances, specifically using these substances that are traditionally known to tap your brain into these alternative dimensions. And that's where they're getting their ideas from. That's where they're getting their inspiration from. So it doesn't really seem like a far stretch to be like, okay, yeah, they're just, they're just tapping into those whispers from, you know, the other side. If I uh, may jump in here, I don't want yeah, to cut you off though. If your thought isn't finished. No, I was, I was, I was done. I was letting this, you jump in. This, uh, you see, traditional societies understand, and if you read like, like indigenous myths, pre-Christian and even pre-like Zoroastrian uh, animist stories, they they say that spirits, specific spirits and types of spirits, inhabit different beings. Okay, so this the 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 certain plant will have a spirit, and a certain animal will have a spirit. And the stories and the way those people talk, the way the shamans talk, is that the plants and animals talk to them and tell them to do certain things. And those things that they tell them to do typically utilizes the plant involved or utilizes the animal involved. And um, that is a message being sent from the other side through the animal to the person who picks it up. And then uh, because in the book, The Cosmic Serpent, which I highly recommend to you and all my listeners by Jeremy Narby, he's an anthropologist who goes, I think, to Peru and he's with this tribe who takes ayahuasca and he wasn't there to study the ayahuasca. He was there to study something else, uh, but he got interested in this and he asked the thing about ayahuasca in the jungle is that you have to combine the ayahuasca root with some other plant to neutralize uh some something in your body that cancels out the damage. actually yeah. yeah it doesn't let you use it it's uh if you were to just ingest it, you, the ayahuasca it would do nothing i think it has a ssri in it like our drugs because that's what yeah so anyway all that information is available easily for anybody to go look at i don't remember the exact specifics of it but the point here and how it relates to what you're saying is that he totally changed the trajectory of his studies because he asked the shaman, like, how did you guys know to combine these two plants? Like, how did you know of all the things in the jungle, the millions of plants in the jungle, how did you figure it out? And he said, the ayahuasca told us, the ayahuasca told us to combine it with this other plant so that we could like, you know, use this plant medicine. And he said, all right, what if I, uh, a Western European scientist took this guy at his word for it and and believed him that the, the plant was actually communicating with him. So he went on to write two books about interspecies communication. Now, they're pretty old. They're like 25 years old. So a lot of it is speculation and a lot of work has been done since that book came out to, I think, supplement what he's been saying. Um, uh, the first book, The Cosmic Serpent, talks quite a lot about what you're saying. He's saying there has to be something in these trance states that 
open up a pathway in our brains that has been closed off when we're using our conscious mind to think about something. We're blocking out the information in some way. And when we go into the trance state, it, uh, that, com- that information is allowed to be communicated to us. And his second book is called something like The Language of Animals or Communication Between Animals or something like that. And he speculates that on some non-conscious level, there is a communication that goes on between beings. My, my argument is, is that the thing that like, the key that he was missing in those books is that it's pheromones, that it's pheromonal communication. There's people who speculate uh, that uh, pheromones are attract people to a certain plant and turn them away from other plants. And that pheromones are the things in psychedelic plants that give you a feeling or a sensation that cause certain thoughts or, or notions to arise within you, uh, like the unity and the oneness of all things is communicated to you by the plants because the plants uh, want you to create an environment that, that is conducive to their life. Now, that is a very long way for me to say that something like this, not necessarily pheromonal, I think is going on with the technology, that there's some sort of spirit or being that inhabits the technology itself, and then it communicates with us uh, and tells us to use it in a certain way in order to manifest or bring into the world something that is its goal. I mean, here I'm reiterating quite a bit of what you're saying, but the vision that uh, Larry Page had is an example of that. He, he had this vision and he had to like obsessively bring it into reality. And the thing is, I believe... Well, actually, it's, it's very interesting because he already had all the tools that he needed to bring it into reality. It was, it was actually very easy for him to do that. And that's what's so interesting about so many of these discoveries it's, it's like the tools were there. They just had to be shown how to use them. When Mendeleev is trying to combine and compile the periodic table, he was trying to, he had all the elements already. And he was trying to figure out how to group them. And it was in this dream where he, and there's, there's many of these, and there's even one where, um, there's like a guy talking about the structure of these like atomic structures and can chemical chains and how to visualize them. There's, there's another guy that had a, a vision of that, but it's, it's always like a vision. They see, they see the thing that they're trying to accomplish. And it just appears like St. Elmo's fire in their mind. So Larry Page sees this server room with all the information in the entire world contained within it. He sees that. That is what he sees. And, and so he creates that. Mendeleev sees the periodic table in its form that it is now just appear. He just sees it and he just copies it down like Moses writing down the Ten Commandments, you know. Well, I the think DNA this- structure appears and in this guy's dream after feverishly working on, on this, they're trying to figure out how this does the DNA like what what form does it take and and then he sees in a dream he sees this spiraling you know serpent that's winding around itself there's there's these two serpents 
swirling together and he's like that's it and then you know this guy he's trying to figure out the structure of the benzene atom and then he sees he describes it as this reverie he slipped into a reverie in which he saw the atoms cavorting with each other and even niels bohr who is the the inventor of the you know the classical scientific atom the bohr model of the atom he sees a vision where he sees a visualization of the atom and and how it functions and how it's like a little miniature solar system and it and it goes on and on and on and i could continue listing off examples because there's so many like i didn't want to bog down the thread with all of these examples but like they just keep going like there's so many of these things where you know one of the guys that was helping charles darwin when they were trying to formulate the origin of species he is on a boat he is seasick he has a fever and there's this lasts for three days and when he wakes up from this horrible nightmare he's come to the realization of the way that evolutionary species evolve. And that's how he came to it. He came to it in this fever dream, this fever dream in which his mind was tapped in to something else, to some other realm. And he was shown these things. It's very specific that they are shown. It is not that they, they, they see it. They see a very plain and clear image in their minds of what it is it's like a diagram that's just like being shown. This is what it is. This is how it works. Here's a blueprint. Here's an image. Take it. And then they just wake up and they're like, I know. Now I, now I, it has been revealed. It has been revealed to me. I now know what I was searching for. It like an inexplicable connection. Yeah, this book, The Cosmic Serpent, is called that because he's saying the DNA structure is the cosmic serpent, and the cosmic serpent is an archetype found in all sorts of in all sorts of uh, prehistoric myths and religions. And his argument is that uh, that he thinks the cosmic serpent in mythology is the DNA structure communicating itself. Uh, making itself known in some way to the world. And that, of course, everyone agrees that uh, genes are what drive evolution. And he believes it's more active. And I agree with him that it's more active than people give it credit for. Now, what I want to say is that I believe these are all like archetypes. And I think one of the things I like about Jung, but also uh, I don't think I don't think about Jung is I don't think he goes far enough. I think he hits on a lot of good insights, but then doesn't take them far enough. I think the archetypes are real. I believe these symbols are revealing themselves to humanity, but I think they're doing so in order to manifest something real in the world. So, you know, if you think about like Philip K. Dick, his book, Valis, Valis is called, uh, is a, is a, stands for vast active living intelligence system. And he says the vast active living intelligence system was given to him in a vision. And this sounds exactly like the room that Larry Page is describing. And uh, Borges has the story, uh, the library of Babel. And it's a story about this, like this, like uh, metaphysical library that exists in some other dimension where all the knowledge and all the stories in the universe that, that are ever have been and ever will be are in the same library. And like, 
that's another example. And to me, these are like archetypical visions being given to somebody of some force trying to man itself manifest itself in the world. And it has now done so via the internet. So you're talking about the cosmic serpent, right? And I also, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book by Terrence McKenna called true hallucinations. Not that one, but I am familiar with a fair amount of his work, but not that one. So that's like his original book. That's the first book that he wrote and it describes his um, adventure with his brother and some other people. They go to the Amazon. They take like a whole trip. And it's his, his first and subsequent encounters with what he refers to as like the DMT spirits and these like, you know, the, his famous like clockwork elves type uh, theory where um you know he he uh he goes in and he takes dmt and also mushrooms and stuff he just has like a a sort of psychedelic almost alice in wonderland type experience going to this uh going like down the amazon and you know in the rivers and in the forest and and talking to the tribes and um there's a point in which he has like this revelatory experience where he's just taken massive amounts of these drugs and he's like running through the woods and he can point to any plant or animal and the voice in his head immediately tells it its name, what it is, the species. And, and like, He's tapped into like almost this uh, all-knowing thing. Now, what he does um, qualify this in the book is saying he's like, I don't know if this was real or if it was just like a bullshit. Like, were these actually the names of the plants? He doesn't remember it well enough to to go back and like verify if these were correct or not right but it it was this experience that he had so this is something else again there are all these threads that i have yet to write the stuff that i that i think about is uh i think very interesting i think that there are multiple forms of these outer intelligences that there's not just necessarily one, like I do, or maybe there's alternate pathways in which they're also manifesting it. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I haven't decided, but I think that there's also like plant intelligences like that, that manifest themselves through these biological means. One of them specifically being mushrooms Mushrooms are a very strange organism. They are kind of unique in the way that they work. Uh, And one of the most interesting things about mushrooms is that they share, I think it's called, well, there's like, you know, there's the mushroom that's above the ground that we see and that we, 
associate with what the mushroom is, but there's also, I think it's mycelium, I think, but it, I'm not sure. There's this structure below the ground, which is like this webbed root that just extends throughout the ground. And it's huge. It's massive. And the mushroom, the budding of the mushroom itself is, is quite small in comparison. And it's this mycelium can actually bridge across entire forests. And it's all connected. And in fact, it can communicate within this organic network. It sends what can only really be described as electrical signals. Mushrooms are very high in copper. Uh, it's actually one of the best ways to get copper in your diet is to eat mushrooms. Um, because they have copper, elemental copper in their, you know, I don't know, their meat. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Um, and flesh. they are not only, yeah, they're flesh. They're not only linked with, you know, like this greater mycelium, but this mycelium can also communicate with trees. And it's a very interesting organic biological network that seems to have this electronic or at least electric communication that there is, there are like they, they did some sort of experiment where they were able to measure these electric signals that were passing. And these things can go for literally miles along this mycelium network. And it, it, like I said, entire forests can be linked up. So it's it's like this fast, active version of living intelligence system. <laughs> yes. Sorry. That that can that no, it's it's fine. That can uh you know communicate between plants, and and I would assume that if it's hooked up to the trees, which are like you know the big guys in the system, right? that also all the other smaller plants are also tapped in and and the the mushrooms function as like you know the connective tissue of the forest of the of the natural world um and mushrooms have like they're they're almost like parasitical in a certain sense so i don't know if this is you know always how it's been or if it's something that the mushrooms have sort of snuck in and, and done i don't know but i think it's very interesting I find it very fascinating well to clarify what i was saying before and the way it's totally connected to what you're talking about is that uh pheromones are known to be emitted by plants and picked up by other plants so like if a root system is growing in the forest and it's kind of just it doesn't just blindly grow into the soil uh like people think it does if there's an area of the soil that is more like uh moist that that's filled with more uh moisture for the for the uh, and and nutrients for the tree to absorb 
the tree that's in that portion of the soil will send out pheromones that other trees pick up and, and the, the tree itself picks up and other roots will grow in that direction. So they're literally communicating with each other as well as, and this is just a side note, uh, even the, the speech patterns of animals in the forest are now known or at least believed by conventional Western science to be direct communication about food sources and threats that are in the area. Now, what I said before about cells being uh, uh, sensitized by outside stimulants and they open themselves up and when they open themselves up, uh, they kind of get things brought inside that they didn't intend to that have to be dealt with in some way and how that happens with our, our brains as well and our, our brain cells. Um, what happens is that the, the plants are sending out pheromones all the time, right? And when you take a mushroom or, or a hallucinogen of any kind, what it does is it, 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 it mixes up the neurotransmitter and the receptors so that the, neurotra- uh, the neuroreceptor that is sensitized for, say, a, a color or a sound or a movement of some kind, uh, it, it only opens for a neurotransmitter of that stimuli. So if, uh, if, if you touch something or if you see something, um, it will open up, the, the receptor will open up, the neurotransmitter will enter and you'll perceive whatever that is. But lots of other crap gets in. The best example is light. Too much light gets in to your eyes for you to make sense of the world around you. So your brain filters it out to create a coherent picture. What's happening when you're on hallucinogens is these uh, receptors are like opening up really wide and it's, be- it's being flooded with these uh, sensations. Not only that, but the sensations are going to the wrong receptors because they're being held open. So like you'll perceive the feeling of a color or you're, you'll hear a sound and that'll make you see purple or something like that. So the thing about pheromones is that like, the feelings of like joy or, or ecstasy or like, like, uh, uh, yeah, ecstasy that you're feeling when you're on hallucinogens, as well as like the, the thoughts you're having, because there seems to be this like flow and cohesiveness to your thoughts that like always go in this, like, depending on what kind of trip you're having, either like a super uh, uplifting sort of uh, joyous communion with everything, your, your thoughts, like your, your conscious thoughts that you're having. And when I say thoughts, I'm talking about like thinking in language, it all like adds to that. And you're having these like positive thoughts. And if you're having a bad trip, of course, it's like, it's like this feedback loop of darkness. My point is though, is that because you're on the hallucinogens and your perception is manifesting in different ways, the pheromones that you're picking up from the plants and animals are causing you to have these thoughts of like euphoria or oneness or communion with the universe around you. And that's the argument that like some people make for, for, for taking, you know, plant quote unquote medicine. It doesn't just make you feel better. It also opens you up to other like realms of reality that are around you. And it allows you to interact with yourself and the world around you on like a higher level. But of course it's dangerous too, because dark things can get in. Um, so that's what I was saying about that. So I actually wrote a thread, um, in which I sort of talked about this exact thing. 
it's it was called the the phaneron phaneron meaning uh coming from the greek word phaneros which means visible in which i talked about the way that the visible spectrum and the auditory like like you know basically the the slice of reality in which we are able to perceive naturally uh what you know that entails and then what lays outside of that specific slit like we can see through this tiny little slit and there's a huge like wave length before and after that we were it's kind of like directly in the middle you know because light and electromagnetic radiation are technically just higher and lower wavelengths of the same wave it's it's um it's one of my like i don't know i i was one of my uh pet theories it's not i don't even know if it's really a theory it's just more of like an explanation and kind of what you were just talking about like there's a lot of information that enters the brain and it's it's mainly focused on filtering out to like distill for us the things which we can understand and that without that we would be seeing and you know thinking about stuff that might be beyond human understanding and it doesn't necessarily get transmitted in language we we translate it into language so that we can understand it and typically if something's formed in language it's usually like a derivative of the higher reality so that all these higher realities happen in like a realm beyond language and uh, i wanted to throw one other thing out there it's just crazy to me how much like like i said before like at the very beginning of this discussion that like the more you get into this stuff the more you like start to see how it's literally true in certain ways and we're talking about like the the communication of other entities coming from beyond and manifesting in the material plane one of the interesting thing about mushrooms is that mushrooms are known to be able to survive in a dormant state in space for a long time because they can, some of them, some of them can form endospores. Well, bacteria does this too. Uh, you, Actually, you know there's, there's not a meaningful difference between bacteria and mushrooms. It's just size. Right. Okay. So it's speculated even that this is how life got to this planet in the first place because they desiccate themselves and then they form this uh, endospore which is like this thick impermeable membrane that encapsulates their body and they like go into this dormant state and they're totally impervious to like not only are they impervious to like deep salinity and heat and cold and and other inhospitable climates that you find in space or in like the nether reaches of the planet but they're also impervious to radiation and you're like exposed to all sorts of radiation in space. And they found some of these on meteoroids and asteroids. They know that they are on like space detritus. So it's theorized by some people, including Francis Crick, or maybe it's Watson. I get the two confused. I think it's Crick though, who helped discover DNA. The guy you were talking about who had the vision, uh, 
and Philip K. Dick, uh, it's speculated that these life forms evolved on other planets and were like taken up uh, like a like the planet exploded or something and was turned into like uh, meteors. And these endospores were on the meteors until they crash into another planet whose uh, atmosphere allows them or encourages them to respawn and start life on that planet. That's one plausible speculation for how life arose on the planet earth. And if that were the case, then it would be literally true that beings from beyond the known reality are here communicating with us uh, to this day. I'm a proponent of directed panspermia or, or panspermia it's called. Yeah. Panspermia. Yeah. I'm a proponent of the, uh, the idea that um, there is a divine, a direct divine link to life and on the, on this earth and in general, um, how that exactly works is still sort of difficult to understand, but I not that I don't believe in the idea of like panspermia and, and organisms arriving to the planet in that way. But I think that uh, humans and other forms of life were created by a higher power intentionally. Um, the exact form in which we were created in the beginning is probably a little different than what we are right now. I think that we're a lesser, lower form of like, like the way that it's described in the Garden of Eden, how we were originally like these divine beings that um, were lowered in a certain sense that we were brought down, fallen, uh, and that we now exist in this state because of the events that took place. Um, again, to reference some of my threads I went a lot into cosmology and, and my discussion and if you're familiar with theosophy like you were referencing before you're probably familiar with the root racist yeah and you have the polarians the arians the atlanteans the lemurians the um hyperboreans which yeah hyperboreans yeah i think that's a catch-all term for all these different races or is it a specific one i i think that it, they are all i i think the theosoph theosophical position is that these are delineations or demarcations of of the true like human race so that yeah. you know it goes through like um degradation and, and it, it originates from like a, a divine place and it goes down i think that that's probably mostly true i also think that there were hyperboreans and atlanteans existing at the same time though i think that they're more indicative of like the different um i think that they're like hyperborean and, and an arian and an atlantean are representative of like the three sons of Noah, you know, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and and that they are the three 
main races that populated the earth being whites, blacks, and Asians. Um, and the combinations of, of those are what give you like all the different sorts of races and people groups that we have now. They can really be boiled down to those three main ones. Uh, even it says like, I think in uh, the, I guess it's technically the Apocrypha, but that uh, the sons of Ham were cursed because he looked upon Noah's drunkenness and his nakedness, his father. And because of that, his skin was cursed and he was made black. Uh, and, and so all the children of Ham are like, you know, the, uh, like who are the, um, the, <laughs> I'm trying to say this in a nice way uh, that the children of Ham are like the people that are in Africa. Right. Basically. I find it interesting that uh, I was like, was really crazy to me as I was reading like a children's geology book to my son and there it like it was talking about tectonic plates and shifting tectonic te tectonic plates and uh it was talking about the rift in the atlantic sea that spans like the entire atlantic ocean and i'm looking at this like telling my son about it and i'm thinking holy fucking shit this is exactly where they say atlantis was like mm. the greeks did not know that there was this fault line or this what well, it's not even a fault line it's like a a a, a border between mariana trench yeah and i'm like they 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 say that a great landmass sunk into the sea right over where we eventually discovered this shifting rift uh of, of tectonic plates i'm like you said they didn't know maybe they did know i mean well, i feel like not in the way that we know yeah 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 they know right i see i think all of the prehistoric peoples and the classical peoples I think all religions and mythology actually are all describing the same thing. Um, and this gets back to the Jeremy Narvey thing about like, and the archetypes that I was saying, like communicating, like transmitting their form or transmitting some form of communication to us that we're intuiting. Cause that's what you're talking about. These trans states we're intuiting like the forms of some powerful symbol. And it's used to like, not only I said it's used to manifest something into the real world, but the other thing this stuff is used for goes back to what you're saying about the malevolent force trying to like use us and use our technology to like forward its own goals and uh, uh, forward its own ends and use us as a means. These symbols are also uh, transmitted to us by beings who are like at war with the dark forces that they want us to take these symbols up to to wield them against the dark forces so that the lightness the light can can win uh you were talking about i don't want to get too much into this but i have to ask and you might not even know the answer but you were talking before about like the first man like the anti-atom yeah uh, i it, i had, hadn't been familiar with that concept and that's where satan came from if that's in the bible like i haven't read the bible front to back but i've read a lot of the oh, bible. i read enough of the bible to be surprised that i wasn't familiar with that story is that in the book of genesis no it's not it's that's not. probably it's, uh, why it's technically considered uh <laughs> kabbalistic heresy okay um, okay but 
it's it's part of Jewish mysticism. Okay. Which if we're looking at the origins of Satan, I feel like that's exactly where you would want to look. Well, that's... Now, of course, it is a bit of my own interpretation on it. Adam Kadamon is like and and Cliffoth and, and all of these these terms they all come from uh Kabbalah which is the Jewish uh interpretation of like the the Torah which you know is the old testament uh and it's it's like this is their obsession this is what like rabbis argue about together and and the um the the torah has all these uh basically commentaries called i can think of the word um it's a yiddish word but it's it's like they they write like so if you get one of these books it's like the the torah is like the little page in the middle and then you've got like a side panel and a bottom panel and and each of these there's like commentary from this guy this rabbi and then there's commentary from this guy and this rabbi and then the bottom so so you get like three verses of of torah text and then like fucking (laughs) insane oh yeah it's mishnah all these mishnahs from all these guys that are all discussing what the true meaning of the text is and what this means and what that means. And when he says this, it actually means that. So, you know, Adam, there was a, there was a first Adam. And then uh, also Adam had a, a previous wife called Lilith. Yeah. Who was created before Eve, who was, you know, became the mother of all demons. Um, and so you, you have like this shadow Adam, this shadow Eve, who are both like the progenitors of darkness and exist in the shadow world which is like the fallen eden which was made before the creation of this world which you know when god saw that this world was good it's a distinction that this was a good world as opposed to the world which he created earlier which he realized was bad which is a very important implication that this world he saw that it was good which is something that you don't even think about. You just don't even think what that means. It doesn't even occur to most people to consider why does God see this world and think, oh yes, it's good, right? That's something that's very important. And it, it, I don't think that most people ever consider what would, what would it mean if, if he didn't see that the world was good? You know, what would he do? So the world that he created before, the, the cliff off, like I was saying, it represents these dark, dis- like literally like these pots that were smashed. Like when a, when a potter creates a pot and he takes it from the kiln and it's jacked up, he breaks it so that it doesn't accidentally get mixed in with all the good pots that are going to go out and be sold. So these are the shattered vessels. That is what cliff off means. Shattered vessel. It's these broken worlds that that form the you know the dark side, the other side, also known as the Sitra Ahra, uh, which is where this 
old Adam lives. It's like his, it's a prison. It's a prison world where these things are, they're like locked away, basically. That's extremely fascinating. I've heard references here and there to Lilith and a couple of those other things, but that's the most in-depth explanation I've ever encountered. I don't know if you're familiar with the exegesis of Philip K. Dick or his book, Valis, that I mentioned, Vast Active Living Intelligence System. But he has this uh, conceptualization of levels of reality. And I know that he was intensely studying uh, Christianity and Gnosticism, uh, obsessively studying them at the end of his life. And I have to assume now I'm going to look further into this, that this is what you just described to me is where some of this is coming from. But I want to explain it briefly now because it's related not only to what you are saying and the theme of today's show, but my entire podcast was inspired. Philip K. Dick is also in my introduction uh, saying some people believe in past lives, but I believe in different, very different present lives. And he describes an updated version of basically exactly what you just said, which is that uh, he asked himself, if God is all loving and all being and all powerful and all good, why does bad exist in the world? And he said, well, God must not have a hand in every single thing that transpires on the, the material plane. What he must do must be more akin to writing software for a computer program. And he deploys that software and it's written in such a way that it perpetuates itself. And he says he uh, saw one of them going haywire. So he deploys, writes a new software and deploys another software and he allows that to go. And there's several of them running all at the same time. And that uh, some of them are like the malware viral, uh, you know, virus infected software. And then the last one he made was like the perfect one. And that's why he was saying that you can have uh, present lives going on all at the same time because you can exist within all these different realms uh, simultaneously. And that what I was talking before, uh, when I mentioned the Theosophists, I was specifically referring to Steiner because he's the one I've read of them in the most depth. Steiner talks about like elevating your consciousness and you put yourself at a higher vibration. And the higher the vibration is like the more benign beings you're able to communicate with. And you're like walking with them They're on the astral realm and you're on the material realm, but you're like, uh, the astral realm is permeable. So they're like overlaying your body and they're like, helping you, you know, walk through the reality uh, at a higher level. Whereas, you know, on the lower vibrations, you get where that's going. What Philip K. Dick is saying is that like, as you raise your consciousness or as your vibration gets higher, you're able to pass from one uh, program, one realm of reality into the next one, which is the higher one. And he says that like, you can't do that without going through certain initiation or certain, uh, 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 consciousness raising events. And he says for him, that was like beamed to him by God. But he says someone like uh, Christ is a being who's like totally transcended all of this. And he's able to pass effort effortlessly through the realms of reality. And uh, part of his job as someone who's able to do that and all of these higher beings, part of their job is to go down into the darker realms and retrieve people who are lost and help raise their consciousness and bring them into the next realm and into the next reality. So that as you're like, as you're like transitioning from a lower realm to a higher realm, you're existing in two at the same time. 
And that also goes back to what I was saying before about um, uh, about the lower frequency, uh, 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 the way you're being fed upon by demons. Like if you're engaging in all of this stuff, uh, this this deluge of porn and drugs and gambling and temptations in certain ways, like if you're a shaman or if you're a paladin, um, that kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like if you've transcended like the the, the dichotomy of good and bad and, and you're able to like be like one of these ancient ascetics who resists the demons who are trying to tempt them to like, you know, fornicate or whatever. Like you build this like endospore like shield around you and you're able to like delve into like the darkness. And I think certain people, when I called like the Anon things like avatars, I think certain people, like I literally believe this, like certain people like don this like uh, radiation proof armor right? And they delve into the abyss of the internet and they retrieve people and like help raise them up to a higher standard. I think I've said this before about Bronze Age Pervert. Like he is able to like withstand like the onslaught of the negativity and like he gets attacked constantly. And, and there's other people too. You could use many, many other examples. And he stands as like a beacon in the darkness to like, it's like a paladin raising his sword in like this holy war and he catches the sun to bring people to rally people to him and then he shines the light on them and then then they're able to also resist uh the temptations and things like that so anyway that would be called in uh buddhism a bodhisattva exactly someone who like comes back from their you know nirvana to to help others to find the the truth um interesting that phil i i'm familiar with philip k dick i think i read portion of exegesis but i don't think i read the whole thing i actually i'm not a as big of a reader as you might think i i kind of explained this to athenian one time when i was talking to him in a space but i that dude I actually, is my fucking homie man yeah i try i try not to read too much i try to to actually let these ideas sort of organically form on their own that's one of the things with these threads i would I would just mull over an idea for days and weeks and sort of like, just think about it and, and try to like articulate what I'm trying to say about it in my mind while also trying to keep my, my ideas uh, unadulterated from other people's concepts. Like instead of going and being like, okay, so what is, what does Nietzsche say about this? What does, you know, uh, Evola say about this? I would instead just try to think, what does Helios say about this right what do i think and sort of try to come to uh my own conclusions by myself and to touch on the um the thing that dick was saying about software and and another one of my own ideas on on the way that this sort of works um There, there's an idea that this world actually it's it's impossible for this this good world to exist without the evil world in in that there was some it wasn't that uh, that God made a mistake when he made the quote unquote failed world but that was some sort of necessary creation that it 
can't like this one can't exist without that it's like imagine in your mind three spheres three circles even and there's a a a white sphere at the top and a black sphere at the bottom and in between those two spheres there is a clear sphere and this central sphere oscillates between the two it can move up and down and this sphere represents not only yourself but it also represents the totality of our existence and and this sphere can oscillate between darkness and and light and it's the goal of some people because it's what they think that they need to do to bring about the Messiah or, or what have you, that they actually have to descend fully into darkness. They have to drag the entire world down into the abyss so that they can, you know, bring about the end that that, they must plunge the entire world into degeneracy and sickness and death. And that is their goal. They have to do this because the prophecies require that this must be fulfilled first before they can bring about the new world, that this old world must join the shattered shells of the the dark world. And it must become one with that so that then the Messiah will come and save them. And that's what they think they have to do. They think that that's what they are required to do, that instead of a purification and a, and a, you know, an uplifting of this world, that instead it must be dragged down to the depths of hell, which also coincides with this idea that there is this malevolent intelligence convincing these people that they need to, you know, build this body. And, and, and this in turn also invokes this sort of idea that by doing this by creating this profane technology that this is also lowering this this central sphere into the darkness that this is sort of like this fist reaching up from that that lower sphere and and dragging the world down into its depths um well that's that that is an interesting metaphor where did you get it from that's my own Oh, that's good. You should write that down if you haven't. Um, I had a couple of threads discussing this idea where there's a higher reality and a lower reality, and we are in between both of them. And I think I even had the diagram. I, I can't remember which account. I think it was on the account that got banned. Well, um, listen, I'm pretty much out of time. I want to I end on one other thought. So if you remember your thought, just text it to me and we'll, we'll bring, we'll take it up because I think we should, I, th- I think you should be a regular on the show if you're willing to, because I think we could get like a lot more. Uh, I think we could definitely have a very solid part two. If nothing more than yeah, a part two for sure. But let me, um, not to barrel over your thoughts. So if you, if it comes back to you, bring it up, but uh, I, I got to go. Well, I think here, here's the let's let's leave it off on this. I think that there is an important implication here. I do believe that things come in threes. You know, there there is the, the darkness, there is the light, and then there's the in-between. 
Um, and we are conspicuously in between these two things, you know? So like you were saying there, there's like the, uh, well, here, there's the primordial Adam and Eve that they represent the darkness. Then there's Adam and Eve and they represent us. And then there's the last Adam who represents Christ, which is this like divine perfect Adam that is, is like the opposite of, of what the first Adam was, who, who was evil and, and like raised himself up as this false God that the angels even began to worship. And, and he was like, like when God made Adam, the, the, the first Adam in his image, he actually made not only, he made like a dark version of himself. And so when he made Adam again in his image, he made him a little lower than the angels. It's very specific. It says that he, he made Adam a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and power. Um, or specifically man, but man and Adam is the same word in, in Hebrew. Uh, this Adam is the dark version of God, whereas Jesus Christ is the perfect version of man and he is without sin and he is the the final adam which we all would strive towards being like so he is perfect so he would be that that higher version and you know the same could go for any symbol like there there's there's this sort of unity of existence in which there is a dark in the light version, but there's also the version that's in between those two. So it's, you know, the father, the mother, and the child. And the child is still in this in-between state. Even though the, the child is a, a boy or a girl, that it's still there's this inherent androgyny to the child because the child has not reached puberty. So it still is, is in this not quite alive not quite fully actualized state where it's it's in the middle it's not it's not an adult but it's also not dead so it's in that in between that's perfect man that's a perfect uh way to end here because the tagline in my bio on twitter is forcing the unity of existence and that's exactly what we're trying to do here at the astral flight simulation so we're going to we're going to end it here and uh, invite everyone to come back for part two. That was a really excellent and fun episode. I'm really glad you're back, Helios. In a way, I feel like I've reached down into the darkness of the ether and pulled back a powerful uh, avatar and paladin who is who's come back to help us navigate the uh, digital world. So uh, until next time, Astro Flight Simulation signing off. Thank you.